Genesis chapter 44. This is Pastor Oetla Simankane thanking you for joining us as we journey through the word of the Lord. Genesis 44 verse 33. Judah said to Joseph, Now then, please let your servant remain here as my Lord's slave in place of the boy, and let the boy return with his brothers. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord shall stand forever. Close your eyes with me as we pray. Father in heaven, we are so grateful today for the power of transforming grace. As we consider the man Judah, we ask dear father that you may speak to us and give us inspiration and dear father, give us hope that if Judah could change so can we. For this we ask in Jesus name. Amen. my brother and my sister sons and daughters of the living god we are brought here to consider again the man called judah he is the one that interrupted the story of joseph momentarily at the beginning of its telling and now he comes back to the forefront after the brothers had feasted that evening they go to sleep now joseph is still executing his plan to test his brothers. He is happy, I'm sure, when he saw that they did not seem to be rather disturbed by the favorable treatment of the youngest brother. When he got five times the eating portions, they celebrated and they ate and they enjoyed the moment. With him, they were angry when he was treated better. I'm sure he was happy to see that. But Joseph still needed to test and see whether truly what he was seeing was real and true he instructs the ruler of the house his steward to fill the men's sacks with food as much as they can carry and put each man's money in the mouth of his sack and listen to this put my cup the silver cup in the mouth of the sack of the youngest with his money for the grain and he did as joseph told him Now this silver cup is valuable of course but what is quite interesting is that the choice of silver cup is reminiscent of the very thing that was used to sell him he was sold for silver 20 pieces of silver Joseph it appears is tracing back to the original sin and tracing and testing whether in repeating the same kind of scenarios the brothers would change this time it would not be selling a brother for a silver cup but it would be as it were gaining their own freedom for that silver cup as the brothers wake up in the morning they must have been elated they have no idea what joseph has planned for them they return with sex fool and they return listen to this with simeon and with benjamin just as their father had pleaded but their joy doesn't last very long because the steward stops them in their tracks you can see him rushing towards them and he comes with an accusation why have you repaid evil for good is it not from this that my lord drinks and by this that he practices divination what is the steward saying the steward is saying that you have something precious for my master with you you've stolen something precious from him you have done evil even if we have treated you so well we wind and dined you and now you steal 
And the brothers respond, Far be it from your servants to do such a thing. Behold, the money that we found in the mouths of our sex we brought back to you from the land of Canaan. How then could we steal silver or gold from your Lord's house? Now this makes sense. We are not thieves. We even returned the money that we found in our sex. Remember, don't you remember, that we brought it back? So sure were the brothers of their innocence that they offer a punishment. Now please never do this. They offer a punishment should the cup be found among them. Whichever of your servants is found with it, he shall die. And we also will be my Lord's servants. So sure are these brothers. The steward says, I'm all right with that. I can work with that. Let it be as you say. Albeit, he who is found with it shall be my servant. And the rest of you shall be innocent. What is the steward doing? He is reducing the harshness of the punishment that was preferred by the brothers themselves. There is no death in what the steward says, only slavery and even then only for the guilty brother in whose bag the cup is found. Then each man quickly lowered his bag to the ground. You can see them excitedly. They're sure they don't have this. And each man opened his sack and he searched. They should have known from the last time when they found stuff in their bags that they had not placed there that it is possible to be set up to find stuff that you yourself did not put. It reminds me in the airports when they ask you, are you the one who packed these bags? Everything in here, what you packed. Some have found themselves answering yes only for stuff to be found in their bags that they did not pack. Each man opened his sack and he searched, beginning from the eldest and ending with the youngest. There goes the pattern again. Reuben's bag, no silver cup. Simeon, Levi, Judah, no silver cup. The sons of the concubines, Dan and Naphtali and Gad and Asher, no silver cup in the bags. And next, Issachar and Zebulun passed the test. The brothers are feeling vindicated. You can imagine it. Already, they are ready to leave when horror strikes. The steward finds the cup in, you guessed it, Benjamin's bag. That silver cup glistens against the morning sun, rising out of the grain. They tore their clothes, the Bible says. Now, again, we ought to go into history a little. Remember, when Joseph disappeared, it was only Jacob who tore his clothes in chapter 37, verse 34. And now here, all the brothers tear their clothes. The act of tearing their clothes tells us this time it will be different. This time, it is all the brothers. At this point, remember, we are asking two questions. Have the brothers changed? But secondly, who of the brothers will inherit the birthright? What indication will we have of who will be uh, prominent among them? Joseph's test just may bring us answer to both questions. He plays his role as a pagan Egyptian to the T. What deed is this that you have done? Do you not know that a man like me can indeed practice divination? Joseph asks. While in the fix, Judah steps up. Here comes Judah. What shall we say to my Lord? What shall we speak? Or how can we clear ourselves? God has found out our guilt, the guilt of your servants. Behold, we are my Lord's servants, both we and he also in whose hand the cup has been found. 
Now please take note that Judas says it is God that has found out their guilt. He says to Joseph what they had said to each other in secret. And Judah represents the collective responsibility. He says, we are all your servants. Joseph, however, adds an excruciatingly painful twist. He says, no, 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 no. Far be it from me that I should do such a thing. Only the man in whose hand the cup was found shall be my servant. But as for you, go up in peace. Go to your father. This is the moment the test has been driving towards. They could go free, leaving the youngest brother behind, just as they had left Joseph behind and gone back to their father. Benjamin, the son of the favorite woman, the favorite of their father, let him remain here as you all go to your father. This is a repeat of the initial betrayal, and this time it would mean their own freedom. Last time it had had no such tension to it. This time they could go, leave their brother behind, and they would leave. They would be free. And so there is incentive to leave the youngest brother behind. Now remember also Judah and Reuben had offered themselves as security in case a moment like this one would come. And Judah steps up. He comes forward and he says, Oh my Lord, Please let your servant speak a word in my Lord's ears and let not your anger burn against your servant for you are like Pharaoh himself. Judah reflects on how they got to this point, how the ruler himself, second in command, had asked for the youngest to be brought. He implicates the ruler in the history that has led to this moment and then he explains how this would affect their father. He repeats their father's words when they had asked that the brother come with them. You know that my wife, this is Jacob's words, you know that my wife bore me two sons. One left me, who is he referring to Joseph, and I have never seen him since. If you take this one also from me and harm happens to him, you will bring me down. You will bring my gray hairs in evil to Sheol. Judah then shares the implications of what Joseph is asking for. Our father will die if we come home without Benjamin. For your servant became a pledge of safety for the boy. To my father saying, if I do not bring him back to you, then I shall bear the blame before my father all my life. Now therefore, Judah is pleading, please, please, let your servant remain instead of the boy as a servant to my Lord and let the boy go back with his brothers. For how can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? I fear to see the evil that would do To my father. What is Judah saying? Judah is saying, Substitute me for the boy. What manner of love was Joseph witnessing? Judah was willing, yes, he was willing to sacrifice his own liberty and freedom for the sake of the boy. Only God, beloved, could effect such transformation. This is the man whom we were told about. In chapter 38, who interrupted Joseph's story? A man who impregnated Tamar, thinking she was a Canaanite prostitute. He is now the selfless, 
other-centered, sacrificial man who was willing to pay the penalty for his brother, to give himself as the substitutionary penalty. Have the brothers changed? It's a resounding yes. And now Judah comes up top. We have seen their solidarity, how the brothers had repented of their sin against Joseph, how they had forgiven their father's favoritism against the youngest, and how they loved their father and Benjamin. They had changed, but now Judah sets himself apart from the brothers with a divine kind of love. His willingness to suffer as a substitute for his brother foreshadowed the substitutionary, vicarious atonement of his ultimate son, Christ Jesus, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Yes, they have changed. And Judah's own great, 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 great grandson himself would offer himself as a sacrifice for his own brothers. And that is you and I. Yes, the Spirit of Christ the one who was to come and die as a substitute for his brethren. This, beloved, is grace that we are seeing, transforming grace. In case you had cancelled Judah out in reading about his story in chapter 38, the Bible is a story with full, of, full of surprises. It is a story full of change. It is a story of potential. The Judas of this world can change. This is the Bible story. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Romans 12 verse 1, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Judah, beloved, not only represents the great transformation in his willingness to be substituted for his brother, but he foreshadowed Jesus, the lion of the tribe of Judah, who takes our place in order that we might be saved. And it also rings as a bell of hope for you and I. Never ever give up on yourself. If Judah can change, you can change. And the story of the Bible is an announcement to say there is power, wonder-working power in God to transform lives. He can transform you too. He can change your life forever. He can change you. He can change you now. Let us close our eyes and pray. Our loving Heavenly Father, we are thankful for the transforming power of your grace. We are so grateful for the Judas of this world that can change. And we thank you, dear Father, that this story is one that also gives us hope that we too can change and be better, that we too can be transformed, and that as we come to Christ, we can become new persons. Yes, whoever is in Christ is a new creation. Make us new, dear Father, for this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.